Ben Martin. Good we're a little we're a little short on time. We've had such a jam-packed show. You are an expert on the founding. You have a heart for the founding. You're an expert on Lincoln and the Federalist Papers. And it's so great to have you here. It's so happy. I'm so happy to be here, really. Kim, it's so great to be here to talk about the Federalist Papers. I just wish we had more time. Now, we're gonna have to, I'm, you're going to have to go come really back, quick, okay? Yes. Well, like what uh, you said before, in, in the format that uh, you're using right now with uh, Dr. Cranerwinner is a f- type of format that you really need to talk about, the Federalist Papers, because there's so much there. Uh, and, and it really needs a thorough discussion. But I'm going to try to do, to give everybody a little taste here, you know, to hopefully it'll be a, a taste that'll get them all interested in doing this and in and, and reading these things. And I just want to tell you that the Federalist Papers are simply the Federalists, which is what it was really called. We've kind of changed that a little bit in the modern era to call it the Federalist Papers, but the Federalists are the Federalists. Anyway, I'd like to say a couple of things to get everybody interested in it. First of all, what did Thomas Jefferson say back in 1788 about the Federalist Papers? He said it was the best commentary on the principles of government, whichever was written. And and I believe that's true. Uh, but he didn't just say that and pass it on. Forty year, almost forty years later, in 1825, at uh, close to the end of his life, he said something else again about them, and he said he recommends it as an authority on the distinctive principles of the governments of both Virginia and the United States, an authority to which appeal is habitually made by all and rarely declined or denied by any as evidence of the general opinions of those who framed and of those who accepted or ratified the Constitution of the United States on questions as to its genuine meaning. Now, there's so much there. Mm-hmm. It's just just amazing. And then to get, bring it up to more modern times, uh, the, the editor of this book that you guys are using, the mm-hmm. reference book, which is the best reference book for the Federalist Papers, in my opinion, in the opinion of people a lot uh, uh, more learned than I am. And that's the Signet version. That's Charles Kessler, right? It was uh, Charles Kessler. It was originally edited by by Clinton uh, Rossiter. Okay. Okay, and then he did it in in 1961, and then Charles Kessler updated it and, and put an introduction in here that is just amazing. So mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but let me just say what he said in, 18, in 1961 is he acknowledged the Federalist as the most important work in political science that has ever been written or is likely ever to be written in the United States. It is indeed the one product of the American mind that is rightly counted among the classics of political theory. And that's just amazing. And I think it really is. When you when you get to reading this and learning it, uh, you just are amazed at what they say in here, in, in the foresight they have. But the reason they have the foresight is they go back and learn the lessons of mm-hmm, history. Mm-hmm. And then they can use those to apply them today. And that, that's what I don't understand about today's history teachings and everything like that. And tearing down statues and... Yeah, you destroy. I mean, that's what the Taliban did, you know, destroyed all these wonderful statues that are thousands or or at least a thousand years old there. And why do that? You know, I mean, why destroy that? Because without the knowledge of 
of history, as we say before. The good before, and the bad. The, the good, good and the bad. You have a conscience. I mean, that's how you develop a conscience. You learn what's good and what's mm-hmm. bad. You try to avoid, if you're, if you're halfway decent, you try to avoid the bad mm-hmm. and only do the good. But history is just the story of human nature. And you have to learn it because it teaches you all these lessons that are repeated over and over again. So when we talk about this and, and we talk about this, this book, I, I just want to recommend it to everybody. And there, are, there's one thing that that uh, Clinton Rossiter had not done, that uh, Charles R. Kessler did when he reintroduced this book, and he put in just a phenomenal introduction, which is all it's 25 pages long. Mm-hmm. I, I would buy the book just to read the, the introduction because it's just so full of facts. And, and everything that you would need to, to have a basic background before you started studying. Before I read this book, I read the, the introduction at least twice. Okay. And since then, I've read it many more times because it's so important to your basic understanding before you get into it, which is what an introduction is supposed to do. And Charles Kessler, who you're talking about, uh, Dr. Cranowitter, uh, he, he is Dr. Cranowitter's mentor. Oh, that's great. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. Yes, it is. So when we talk about this, some of the things besides the introduction that I want to talk to everyone about is that in this book, one of the, one of the other great things they have is, is a, is a praise in here of each one of the Federalist Papers. And praise is an introduction or, you know, condensation of, the, of what's taught or, or, or what's the most important things of that particular one. So all of the, all of the Federalist Papers, all 85, have a praise in it, you know, which is just a paragraph, so that before you read it, you take a little bit of time to read that, mm-hmm. you know, just a paragraph, so you have an idea of what's being said, so you can put it into perspective. And I think it's really important, all the things that are in here. The, the, what I want to say about the introduction, too, is the introduction has endnotes in it. And all the endnotes in the introduction and all the endnotes when you talk in the Federalist Papers itself mm-hmm. gives you historic uh, historic understanding of what the Federalist what the Federalist are talking what Publius is talking mm-hmm. about in the Federalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when they, they make references to the different societies, you know, the mm-hmm. Greeks, the Romans, and different incidents and different people and you go, and they use words that were used back there that we don't use so much today. And it explains what those words mean to people. So if you really want to do it, you have to put a little bookmark in here. So when you get to a footnote, you just go back and you read the endnote so that you can better understand the history of what's going on. So you, do you understand the lessons that the Federalists know, that the Publius knows, that he's trying to teach you and, and what they use, what they rely upon to build the government that we have today? Okay, Ben Martin, we're going to have to go to break. I, yeah, we've, we've got to get you back. And several things, though. First of all, we always ho- I ho- always hope that you have some nuggets of wisdom from the show. And the one that uh, I just heard you say, history is the story of human nature. It is. Oh, man. You have to learn it. I mean, that's human nature is human nature. It never changes. It's just like our nature has never changed. And, and that's what the progressives and we differentiate right. because the progressives think that human nature can be perfected. Well, I think human nature can be improved by education and in the education of virtue, which is taught by learning history and the lessons of history. 
But right. it can't be perfected because we'll always do bad things. Right. We're just humans, and we, we make mistakes all the time. And that's why we have religion and, and, and moral teachings, and we learn about the virtues from Aristotle. And it teaches us how to be better people. And that's what we should be doing our whole lives. Absolutely. We're going to go to break. Uh, one of, tomorrow, I'm going to have uh, Cassie George in studio with me. She is a marvelous millennial. And we have agreed that we're going to go through the Communist Manifesto. But as I was preparing mm. for, uh, you know, just the information on that this week, I saw that the front of one of the Communist Manifestos, they had a picture of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? Those are old white guys. But those, the people that are trying to, to go after the founders, they call them old white guys, but yet you have your socialists over here. Correct. That they're following old white guys, and I would submit to you that the founders' vision is, is much greater for individual thriving and prospering than, uh, than Karl Marx's. But let's go to break. I think, question, I think one of the things that you had, had uh, written to me was about Publius. I think that would be a great thing for our uh, listeners to understand who is Publius. Sure, I'll be okay. happy to talk about that. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, dissecting the issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my new website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of upcoming guest topics and important events. I'm the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Greatly appreciate it if you would like me and follow me and offering you a conservatarian perspective. We're talking about the Federalist Papers with Ben Martin, who's in studio. And thank you to the Harris family for uh, their partnership on bringing the Federalist Papers to you. So, Boy, we've got a lot to talk about. A couple of things. I mentioned that Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels are old white guys. Now, it seems in academia that as they've been trying to discredit the American idea, discredit the founders, they call them old white guys. But I'm like, wait a minute. All these socialists over here are, are following old white guys. So explain that to me, uh, Ben Martin. Well, the, the thing that I want to make a point of and I think is really important is the philosophy of those old white guys that are talking about the Communist Manifesto. They, their, their, their solid beliefs, their philosophy is that there are no such things as, as these virtues or these values that transcend time and are universally accepted. And it will be that way forever. They believe in something called historicism and they believe in relativism that nothing, you know, nothing lasts a long time, no values. Our old white guys had values that were proven by the lessons of history, and they are applied to the government that we have today and the Constitution, which is the one we have a Constitution. We, we have a Constitution that is longer and it's lasting any, than other, any other written Constitution in history. So those values do 
last over time. They're timeless and universal. They can be applied anywhere. And they're based upon the principles of liberty that are found in our Declaration of Independence. And those are, those are lasting, those are timeless and universal principles. And, and they do not destroy rights. They do not take away rights. They add to the rights. They, they are in consonance with, with those universal rights. And that's our government that has lasted. Although people are trying to tear it apart. They have been for over 100 years in this progressive education that we have. But, but I'd like to say a little bit, we talked about where we're going to, I know we have a short amount of time, and to talk a little bit about Publius Valero Publico, and why was he chosen? You know, the, the anti-federalists chose guys like Brutus and Cato and all these things, but, 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 so explain, so that was in their... That was, was in the Anti-Federalist Papers okay. where they called themselves, when they wrote things, they tried to keep their anonymity too, and they used, they used pseudonyms, just, okay, like the, okay. just like our founders did, to confront us and to challenge these different okay. papers. So uh, Publius Valerius Publicola, Publius would be like your first name, like Kim, okay. in, the, in the Roman convention. Valerius would be the, their family name, and then Publicola would be his nickname. Okay. So Publicola, as we all know, means he is a friend of the people. And, and that's where he got that, because before he was a council. Now, in, in the, the executive in the Roman system, the Ro- Roman Republic, was called the council. And there were two councils, because sometimes the council had to go out and lead the army to fight against the enemies or to fight the foes coming in. And so one had to govern and the other one had to go out and fight. And it didn't matter who was, or sometimes they would both be out fighting. So so he was, we had two when they started the Roman Republic back in 509 B.C. And one of them was uh, somebody that was related to the old kings of Rome. And he tried as the council to after the Romans had thrown out the kings and started their own republic, he tried to bring their name back into the running of, of Rome. And so they, they, he soon found out that he couldn't do that, so he quit. And so that's when Publius became one of the two councils leading Rome. And he was council for four different times, not all successive, but four different times. They really liked him. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the guys that was credited with fighting the fights and re- reestablishing the republic or keeping the republic alive and then to furthering it by pr- producing laws that were good for the people, just like ours were, to respect the people's rights. He also, the, the Roman council always carried the fascists when he went into uh, when he was when he walked around and also when he went into the Senate to talk, he carried a what? The fascist. The fascist is a is a is an axe that is surrounded by rods, and that was carried around to show that he had power and that you could either be beaten with the rods, the sticks, or you could be killed. That is that was, where the word, the word fascism comes that's, from? That's exactly right. Yeah. Fascinating. So one of the things that Publius did was he took the axe out of the fascist in, when, he went into the, when he went into the Roman Senate to show his respect for the people in the, in the legislature, which, which was an amazing thing that had never been 
that had never been done before, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of great things that, that he did, and he fought for he fought for the Roman Republic several times. That's what the the councils had to do. They had to go out and lead the army. They had to actually get involved in in, in the fight. So that's a little bit about Publius. Uh, Interesting. And and so that's why the uh, the three guys that we think so much of Hamilton and Madison and Jay. That's why they accepted that, because that meant that this guy established a, established a republic, put out laws, and he founded the republic, and he kept it going. So that's what they wanted to do. That's what they wanted to do, too, and that's how they wanted to be remembered. So when we, when we go back, I want to go back quickly to the Federalists, because I want to kind of give an overview of this so that, so that people understand when they're reading this that there were two parts— to the Federalist Papers. You know, the, when they started writing it, Hamilton thought that there would only be 20 or 25 papers that he would have to write. But as he got into this and he realized how complicated it was and how much the people needed to understand it, he wrote more and more and more papers till where it actually got to be 85. So in March, when, he, when they were finished with the first 36, the, he, started, he published that in a volume. And the Federalist that he wrote was two volumes. And the first part is, the, is 1 through 36, those, those articles, 1 through 36. And, and in the organization, that's the other thing that you get out of, out of this book here when you read the, the part that I was talking, what I was talking about before, the, the, um, the introduction. He gives you an organization of what the papers will be. So the first part is utility of the union. And, and that's to tell you why the union is important to your preservation in your life. And so that's the first part. And the first part is really what we call the low part of the Constitution or the low part of the Federalist Papers because it talks about the necessity for union, the utility of union. And it is to, as, as what uh, Susan was talking about before when she was talking about those, those first articles, she was talking about that was telling you the dangers that were out there from the other aid, from the other nations in the world and from some of your own that so this whole part of the first part called the utility of unions was for security and preservation that you had to have this because you can't do anything else without that yeah that's like maslow's hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs you have to protect yourself mm-hmm. you have to secure yourself before you can do anything else mm-hmm. and so that's what this is all about and so then the second part, and that's what really kills me when I hear all of these people on the air, all of these learned people on the air talking about our democracy, our democracy, our democracy. I know it. Uh, number nine talks of, number nine is a really important one because Montesquieu is the author that is most cited by the founders, the framers, when they were at the Constitutional Convention. And Montesquieu said, you cannot have a republic over a large over a large space, and so the second so the so he talks about that in nine. The founders talk about that that we have a different we have improved the science of government with things like uh, like the balance of power, the checks and the checks and balances, the separation of powers, the extension of the sphere. We make it bigger, and so we believe we, we go against Montesquieu, which was really hard for the founders to do because everybody cited Montesquieu for just about mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. And so, but the second part, the, 
number, the second volume, which starts in 37, and it goes all the way to 85, talks about the higher aims of government. And it, and it talks about, instead of just that the Constitution is necessary, it talks about the Constitution is choice-worthy. It talks about, and, and what it really says is, it talks about the second part is why the Constitution is, it follows the true principles of a republic, of republicanism. And we talk about this all the time, and our founders fought over and over and over again to say, this is a republic. Benjamin Franklin, when he went outside the Constitutional Convention, after it was all over, it was asked by Susan, Susan Powell. Yeah, and what was that quote? It was, a republic, madam, if you can keep it which talks about responsibility. And the last thing I want to say in that part of this book that we talk about is responsibility is a word that was developed by the founders. And so when I say that liberty is a responsible exercise of freedom, that is exactly what the founders meant. And you, to really understand that, you have to read this book and you have to read the introduction. Okay, Ben Martin, we're going to have you back. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. Thank you to the Harris family for sponsoring this show. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. Aha, so God bless you and God bless America. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.